Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 6. And we're continuing to read verse 8. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And as we read these four judgments of God that have come over the fourth part of the earth, it directed us back to the book of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 14. And that's what we were looking at in our last study. And I'd like to continue there tonight as well in Ezekiel 14. And I'll read verses 13 and 14. Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord Jehovah. Four times God says this, if these three men were in it, in the earth at the time when God is judging it, they could deliver uh, neither their own sons or daughters, neither their own children. Um, well, here it says they should deliver but their own souls, but then uh, a little further down in Verse 16, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord Jehovah, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Actually, we could understand this in verse 14. God is making just a general statement and overall statement concerning Noah, Daniel and Job and their ability to bring deliverance to any souls and there is none and that means god is basically saying they cannot bring the word of god in which someone out there in the world can be saved then he brings it uh, closer to home right into their very families even in their own house amongst their own children they cannot deliver son nor daughter. And we're, we're going to look at this uh, a little closer during this time. And it's not a pleasant thing for us to discuss, but it's where God's word has guided us. And uh, uh, no one ever said that judgment day was pleasant. It, it is not something pleasant at all. And we have entered into the day of judgment. And and as a result, there are going to be some things that are very harsh and, and very uh, difficult for us to to see that this has come to pass. But it has. This is what God is telling us in places like uh, Ezekiel 14. And here he mentions three men, Noah. Daniel and Job, and he does this uh, four times. He he mentions these three men. He he doesn't mention them by name each time, 
but he makes reference to these three men four times to continue emphasizing the number four, that this is a worldwide judgment. It is judgment on all the world. It It's not um, describing the judgment on the church. Now, in another place, God does mention some faithful men as he describes his judgment first on Israel and then in turn upon the churches and congregations. That's in Jeremiah chapter 15. And in verse 1 and, and the following verses, it says, Then said Jehovah unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight, and let them go forth. And shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith Jehovah, Such as for death to death, and such as for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith Jehovah, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear, and the fowls of the heaven, and, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth, because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. Now, here, God is um, describing the judgment that he brought upon the uh, nation of Israel, or Judah, and, and, and in turn, that spiritually represents the judgment he brought upon the New Testament churches and congregations at the time of the Great Tribulation, when judgment began at the house of God. And in this context, notice how God refers to Manasseh, and we understand he's a king of um, uh, of uh, Israel or king of Judah, and uh, uh, king of Judah, and also Jerusalem is mentioned. And more than that, the Lord refers to Moses and Samuel. Now, if you had to pick a couple of individuals to represent the uh, nation of Israel or Judah or the people that identify with God's kingdom, his outward representation of his kingdom on earth, then you would pick Moses and Samuel because Moses is the one that God gave the law to when he delivered Israel from Egypt and and then Moses continued with them throughout the 40-year wilderness sojourn. And Moses is so completely identified with Israel that we constantly read in the New Testament that the Jews refer to the law of Moses. The law of Moses and Israel, they, they go hand in hand. And Samuel, Samuel was a very faithful prophet of Israel. He was a prophet at the time of the end of the judges. He was, in fact, the last judge and the beginning of the uh, reign of the kings, as Samuel would anoint Saul to be king over Israel. And the books of First and Second Samuel completely identify with Israel. And, and so God chooses those two individuals. They're the most faithful 
um, examples he could find of men that would represent Israel and in turn represent God's people who inhabited the churches throughout the church age. And so the Lord says, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And that means that, no, they would not be able to prevent the wrath of God being poured out at the time of the end when the proper season came, the church age ended, and it was time to begin the judgment. The judgment had to commence and begin upon the house of God. And and it didn't matter what faithful man was um, in the church at that time or, or several of them. No, the, the church was guilty. They did not keep God's law perfectly. They maintained their high places. And so the Lord could justly bring judgment at any point, And he determined that there would come um, a certain day. And, and God did it. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 14, where we're looking at, God picks three men. As he, he says... In verse 14, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. And again, um, it's referring back to verse 13, the land, when the land sinneth against me. And the Hebrew word translated as land is often translated as earth. So when these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job are in it, they're in the earth at the time of judgment, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord Jehovah. And then as we read the passage, there's nothing that mentions Israel. There's nothing that mentions any indicator that would tie it into the churches until we get to verse 21, where it says, For thus saith the Lord Jehovah, how much more when I send my four sore judgments upon Jerusalem? the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. And here, well, isn't God mentioning Jerusalem? Yes, but notice he's saying how much more because he is indicating that Jerusalem receives more stripes. He just got done describing the stripes, the judgment on the world from verses 13 through 20, and then he turns his attention to Jerusalem that would typify those that identify with him, their professed Christians. How much more will they receive? As in the day of judgment that we're presently living in, yes, the world is being judged, but so too are those that were in the churches and congregations or or professed Christians that are unsaved, they receive greater punishment, more stripes. And, and so verse 21 isn't saying that this passage has to do with Jerusalem or the church. It's just language indicating that God is uh, describing the wrath upon the world, and then follows it up with a discussion of wrath upon the churches because all are unsaved and all 
are going through the day of judgment alike. And and so in again, uh, back in verse 14, the Lord points out Noah, Daniel, and Job. And as we discussed a little bit in our last study, you could not find more faithful men than Noah, Daniel, and Job. Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, we read in Genesis chapter 6. And Noah, the, the man that God came to and told him he was going to destroy the world and and gave Noah instructions to build an ark, a boat, a ship, and to build it upon dry land because he would send a flood to destroy the earth. And Noah faithfully and, and with much diligence over 120 years built the ark. And in doing so, he built it to the saving of his house and also as a condemnation to the world. So the Lord selects this most faithful of men, Noah and Daniel. Daniel, who was taken as a captive from Judah and taken to Babylon. And in Babylon, Daniel faced many severe trials and tests right from the very beginning. He was tested as to whether or not uh, he would eat the king's meat, meat that was abominable to a Jewish man. And and Daniel trusted the Lord, and he found grace in the eyes of the prince of the eunuchs, and, uh, and he and his friends. And all through the book of Daniel, we read of just the tremendous faithfulness of this man of God as he lived in the most difficult of circumstances and in an evil kingdom under an evil king, and yet he glorified God greatly. And then Job, Job, that man from the east, from the land of Uz, that was tried in in such a severe way that we read it today and we still shake our head. How could a man, uh, and he was a man, Yes, he was used by God as a type of Christ, but still he was a man. How could a man experience such grief, such loss, as God took from him great riches and took from him his his possessions and took from him his ten children all at once? His All of his children died in a single day, and yet he did not curse God. But he glorified God through it. And and then if that wasn't enough, then he was afflicted with sore boils from head to toe. So they had to take a potsherd in order to scrape himself. And this was not an affliction of an hour or of a day, but it was prolonged day after day. And Job found no comfort upon his bed during the night he hoped for the day. And during the day, he hoped for the night. And and yet, he is given to us as an example of suffering patience and affliction. A, a true man of God. Someone that God worked in greatly in order for him to be so faithful. Noah, Daniel, and Job. 
Now, what do they have in common? Why did the Lord select these particular men? Why these individuals? Why not Moses? Why not Samuel? Why not David? Why not uh, other faithful men? Well, when we look at Noah, Daniel, and Job, we find that they have one thing outstandingly in common. And that is that they do not so much identify with Israel or the church at all, but rather they identify with the world. Noah lived a couple of thousand plus years before Abraham. There was no Israel at the time that Noah lived. He was an individual man of God and Yes, God seemed to work down through his line, his his family line, but yet Noah was just a man of the world. He did not belong to any corporate body, uh, any um, people, uh, outward representation of God's kingdom on earth. He was an individual man. Likewise, Job. Job was a man from the land of Uz the land of the east, the greatest of the men from the land of the east. And he had no identification with Israel and therefore no identification with the churches and congregations. So we can readily see how these two men would represent God's people today who are outside of the churches and congregations living in the world, living in the earth in the day of judgment. But what about Daniel? Daniel was a Jew. He was born in Judah. So certainly uh, that ruins this idea that these three men are chosen as a result of being a representation of, of someone apart from the church. Well, no, it, it does not ruin it because Daniel was taken as a very young boy from the land of Judah, taken captive and taken to Babylon. The nation of Babylon represents the world. Remember, as God commanded the Jews, they were to go into captivity. They were to submit themselves to what God was doing in bringing judgment upon Judah. And spiritually, we correctly understood that to mean that we, God's people, had to leave the churches and congregations and go to the world, the world which Babylon represented. And so Daniel, from the very beginning of the book of Daniel, is seen and lives his life in Babylon. Throughout the entire book, his uh, uh, even when Daniel gets old and gray-headed, he is still living in Babylon. Daniel spent his whole life in Babylon, and he is a picture of God's people that live in the world, outside of the churches and congregations. Now, God could not have selected um, three more faithful men, nor three men 
that represented God's people in the world and not in the church. And, and so the Lord has carefully handpicked these men to let us know that are living today at this time. Look, when Judgment Day comes, as it did on May 21, 2011, and when I send these four judgments upon it, then even though the most faithful of men were in the earth at that time, it would not mean that anyone would become saved. It would still result in the end of salvation. The door is shut. The light of the gospel is out. Noah, Daniel, and Job cannot change that. Noah, Daniel, and Job cannot convince me, the Lord is basically telling us, to open the door for any individual. They cannot convince God to once again shine the light of the gospel into the world so that other uh, sinners could hear and become saved or uh, the light could shine upon them and and create a new heart within. No, this will not happen. It It is the will of God. That's why three men, it is his purpose that judgment will come without mercy. And there is nothing that a true believer can do about it. Furthermore, this confirms to us that the idea that because God's people are living in the world proves that there must be ongoing salvation is completely unbiblical. There is no um, no way that that is taught in the Bible. Noah, Daniel, and Job were in the land, God is saying, though they were in it, and their presence in the land would not mean that God would continue to deliver individuals. It it would have no impact whatsoever. Just as today, the presence of true believers in the world does not impact God's plan of shutting the door to heaven. It has no consequence upon it. And it is just a wrong idea. And perhaps it's a it's an idea where some are are hopeful that maybe this means, no, it cannot be the day of judgment. And maybe they hope this uh, for good reasons in the sense they would still desire uh, people to be saved. And of course, all of us desire that we would, as it says in Luke 16, that we could come from hence and cross the gulf to the poor sinner that's under the wrath of God and bring the drop of water, but we cannot. The Bible will not permit it. God will not allow it. The scriptures forbid it. There is no more salvation. And and here God is emphasizing this in this passage by bringing up these three men, know the, the presence of a child of God. It, it, it cannot impart grace. It cannot impart salvation. Only God can impart grace. And only He can deliver. And, and when He has determined that the day of deliverance has ended, 
then uh, he has shut the door and no man can open it. 